Turn your Bible, please, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. I'm sure it would be difficult to go through a Mother's Day <clears throat> without referring to this wonderful passage, the tribute to a godly mother and a wonderful wife. Proverbs 31, beginning with verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth food to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her lamp goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Fear is deceitful, favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Amen. These verses, verse 10 through 30, are an acrostic, or the ABCs of a perfect wife and mother. And in the original Hebrew, those verses are an acrostic each one beginning with a letter of the alphabet and describing what a wonderful mother, a godly mother, and a godly wife really is. Let's look at this passage for a moment or two. Thirteen of the 22 verses begin with a pronoun, she, emphasizing the woman herself. Matthew Henry said, this is a mirror in which all women can examine themselves. Note these verbs that describe this woman. In verse 13, she seeketh. Verse 15, she riseth. Verse 17, she girdeth. Verse 22, she maketh. Verse 36, she openeth. Verse 27, she looketh. These are verbs of action. And so the godly woman is not a lazy person who sits around looking backward and just thinking of all the things that have passed 
but one who is active and constantly moving forward. Now this is said in context with the advice of a woman to her son. Eighteen times in the book of Proverbs, there's the phrase, my son, or my daughter. In other words, it's as if a mother or a father is giving godly counsel to his son or daughter. Interestingly enough, someone has said, like an apple away keeps a day keeps the doctor away, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. Because the book of Proverbs gives us an understanding of how to deal with people and how to deal with life situations and with temptations and how to recognize those things we ought to flee from as well as those things we ought to be attracted to. Now in this passage, there's a warning. The warning about a strange woman. She's like a narrow pit whose lips are like honeycomb, a mouth smoother than oil. Be careful of her. The fair woman, a woman without discretion, described as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. The foolish woman, one who is clamorous and simple, knowing nothing. The contentious and angry woman, the adulterous woman, the brawling woman, the whorish woman. As a matter of fact, I suppose it was Solomon who must have said this, maybe it was one of the other writers of Proverbs, better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. And I heard somebody, some man say amen just then. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Now, women, Father's Day won't be very far off. And we'll be dealing with that then. But there's another kind of woman, and this is the kind of woman that Proverbs 31 verses 10 through 30 tell us about. Like Mary, the mother of Jesus, compassion, conviction, concern. Napoleon used to say, let France have godly good mothers and she will have great sons. John Quincy Adams said, all that I am, my mother made me. There's a Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. That's pretty good. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. How many times when we've tried to reach little children and some adult feels like you're trying to lead them to a commitment that they don't know how to make and so they withdraw their child and want to protect them from the spiritual people over church. You're trying to force religion down their throat. How many times in late teen years We've received a phone call from some mother or father and said, would you come and do something for my son or daughter? I just can't get them interested in church at all. <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Mr. Simmons said, if you would reform the world from error and vice, begin by enlisting the mothers. 
D.L. Moody said, all I have ever accomplished I owe to my mother. John Wesley, the mother of 19 children, her, his mother's name was Susanna. And in the bulletin today, there's a list of some of the rules that she went by in rearing her children. No eating between meals. All children in bed at 8 o'clock except on church nights. And incidentally, she took her children to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. And when they had special services at their church, 19 children. And when the oldest was 17, 18, and 19, and the one younger were little babies, they all went to church with mother. And they sat together as a family. Take your medicine without complaining. Subdue self-will in each child. Work with God to save the soul of each child. Teach the child to pray as soon as he can speak. Require all to be still during family worship and church services. Give children nothing they cry for. Give them only what they ask for politely. To prevent lying, punish no fault which is first confessed. Do not allow a sinful act to be unpunished. Command and reward good behavior. Preserve property rights even in the smallest matter. Strictly observe all promises. Require no daughter to work before she can read well. Teach children to fear the rod. Augustine had a mother named Monica. Augustine was a wild person. He had little care for the things of God, though his mother was a godly Christian. When he was a young boy, he rebelled against his mother. As a teenager, he left home early. Didn't want his mother to tell him what to do and what time to come in and what to say and where to go. But Monica could never forget to pray for her son. And when her son would go to another town, Monica would somehow find a way to go to that town. Though she didn't know where her son was, she had heard that he was there. She'd just go and stay in that city a little while and just pray for her son. And then she'd learn that he went to another city. She'd go to that other city and just find a room there and just pray for her son. Lord, save my son, Augustine. She did that for several years. Finally, Augustine was in a drunken stupor one night. He was in a sort of a play game place. Everybody was doing whatever they wanted to do, and it all just seemed so hollow to Augustine. And he left and went out on the veranda over on the other side of the city. His mother, not knowing where he was, was praying for her boy. He looked. on the floor and found a little crumpled up piece of paper. He opened it. He didn't recognize at first what it was, but he began to read it. It was a page from the book of Romans. And the verse that caught his eye, Awake thou that sleepest, rise from the dead. It is far time, the, the day is far spent. And as he read that, 
his heart was pricked and he left that gala place and went out and sought the Lord. He later said, it was my praying mother that brought me to God. There's a lot about prayer we don't understand. We're told to pray. God holds in his hand the answers to those prayers. We're not told to pray until we feel better about it. We're just told to pray. I will that all men lift up holy hands in prayer. Jesus went out and spent a whole night praying. He said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift thee as wheat, but I have prayed for thee, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The prayer of other people, the prayer of a daddy, a prayer of a mother, the prayer of a son or daughter for his parents, God honors those prayers. Sometimes long after the prayer is made, there's an answer. And you who pray may not live in the earth long enough to see the answer to your prayer, but just keep praying. As we think of this wonderful passage, we think of all that it teaches us about the godly concern of a godly woman. We cannot think of this without also thinking of God's concern for us. And I want to close this brief message this morning by giving you four thoughts. God's great concern, the same God that gave us godly mothers and tuned us in to know how to pray is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the beginning, God. A little bit later in that same chapter, Genesis 1, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep, the second, the third person of the Trinity. And then a little bit later it says, let us make man in our image. And so in Genesis 1 we have the first, second, and third persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when man sinned, God devised a plan to purchase man from the slave market of sin, and God came down to earth tabernacling in the form of a man, the man Jesus Christ. He touched blind eyes and caused them to see. He interrupted funeral processions and raised dead people to life. He touched lame limbs and caused them to walk again. And then he went to Calvary. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. He died on an old rugged cross for our sins. That's because he loves us. That's because he cares. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And Paul said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to ask you, have you done that yet? Have you confessed Christ as your personal Savior? 
Have you personally knelt before the Lord and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I come to you inviting Jesus to come into my life and my heart and be my Savior. Because of God's great love, we have to deal with the Christ. Secondly, we have to deal with the commandments of God. We could turn to Exodus 20 and read all those Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Honor thy father and thy mother. And on and on. But the, the one passage that sums it all up is this passage in Acts that says, Now in the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God's command is that we repent of sin. That we turn to Christ and invite Jesus to come and live in our hearts and be our personal Savior and Lord. Have you done that? And then part of those commands, after we know Him, is to honor Him. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. That is, go to church. Three to thrive, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Treat the holy day of God, the Lord's day, as a special day. Six days God created the heavens and the earth, and he did all of the things that he did, but on the seventh day he rested. That's the Jewish Sabbath. But there remains a Sabbath for the people of God, and that Sabbath has been exchanged for the Lord's day, the day Jesus got up from the dead, and that day is to be a special day, a separate day. One of the reasons the Jews went into into captivity was because they had violated the Sabbath day for years and years and years. Many of us will remember the old-fashioned blue laws. I don't know why they were called blue laws instead of green or red or something else. But the blue law had all the business establishments closed on Sunday. Little by little those were repealed not just because the arbitrary legislature got up there and said, well, we want to rank this out and do away with this law. It wasn't that at all. It was the people themselves that said, we don't want to honor that special day any longer. We want to go buy our bread and groceries and shoes and uh, dresses and suits and shirts and go play on God's day. And God is getting sick of it. Remember that day. And contingent in our understanding of the greatness of God and His compassion and concern in giving us the wonderful gift of a mother. In giving us the wonderful gift of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who took away the sins of the world. It is contingent upon us to remember His commandments. And thirdly, to think of His compassion. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus, seeing the multitudes, was moved with compassion. You and I need to have compassion, tender hearts, broken hearts, over the things that break the heart of God. Jesus stood one day over Jerusalem. He looked down at the city, and he wept. And he cried out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thee, but you wouldn't come. I wonder if Jesus stands over the hill on Morgantown Road and looks over the city of Bowling Green and weeps. Oh, Bowling Green, Bowling Green, how oft would I have gathered thee? But you wouldn't. You wouldn't come. Who is it that weeps for Bowling Green? 
Who is it that cares, has any kind of burden for the lostness of men and women and boys and girls in this city? It is contingent upon those who know the compassion and care and concern of Christ to let Christ operate through us and reach out with compassion and love and draw others to Him. And last of all, the commitment that gathers it all together and says, yes, I commit myself to that Christ, the Christ of every crisis. What is that commitment? Jesus said, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. He said, if you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. And the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never come to Christ, why not tonight? Why not today? Why not just say, Jesus, I want to give you my heart right now. In thanksgiving to God for your care, you gave us wonderful nature. You gave us the wonderful heavens and the earth. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. We thank You. Thank You for the beautiful oceans and the seas. Thank You for the fish and the fowls. Thank You for the animal. Thank You, Lord, for mother, for daddy, for all that You have given us. Thank You for children. But I thank You most that God cares. And He proved His care by reaching down and saying, You don't have to keep on in sin. My son died for you. He took your sin penalty on the cross. And if you just open your heart and invite him in, he'll come in and live inside of you. Would you do that? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Father, we thank you that Jesus does care about us. He's concerned. And we, we thank you for these wonderful mothers that we've honored today and for the tenderness of their hearts toward us. And we thank you that this just reminds us of God's tenderness toward us in sending Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. We pray that that one person who is here today without God, never really receiving Christ as Savior, would open his heart to Jesus today. God grant that. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand, please.